Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for the great sex I'm having in my sobriety. As of this recording, I am 350 days sober, and today we are welcoming you back. Dave, welcome back to the show again. I know, it's good to be back. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Yes, well, I appreciate us being able to do double bookings for people counting my days along with me. This is the same day that we recorded our last episode on dating, and now we are going to talk about sex. Yes, we are. Can't wait. And why did you choose sex as a topic that you're interested in talking about? Because I love sex. (laughs) (laughs) But um, also, sex has played a really big role in my journey in sobriety and addictions. So I think it's one of those things that has always been intertwined in my journey. And I wanted to talk about it and get it out there and, you know, tell my story so that people who are kind of traversing the the world of sex and drugs and alcohol can kind of can hear, hear my side of the story and hear what's hear some of the craziness that has happened that will always, you know, be a part of me, but has, that will make sure that they know it gets better. It's hard. It's a hard thing to, to get through. So yeah, that's, I know pretty much, you know, soon after I discovered sex, I had sober sex a bunch of times because I hadn't started drinking yet. But pretty much once I found drinking, drinking and sex were almost always intertwined, especially when it came to going out. So I know that when getting sober, the question is, can you still have good sex? And I think that we'll be able to provide the answer is yes, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. And healthy sex is something that a lot of my like sober friends even years into sobriety are having trouble finding as healthy, happy, you know, comfortable sex. Because again, it's one of those things where it's intertwined with, with drinking and drugs. And so you've learned how to have sex on drugs. You've learned how to have sex drinking. And, and some people who are deep in addiction can only have sex on those things. And I think that's really, really challenging to pull yourself out of and, and to get onto a normal, healthy path. Yeah, I can agree. Well, tell us a little bit about what your sex life was like before you got sober. Messy. (laughs) That is, it was messy. It was, again, going out, you know, you go out, you get drunk, you find a cute guy, you go home with him, and you wake up and you realize that he wasn't that cute, or it wasn't a good time, or you were just a mess, or you weren't that cute. Like, it's just, before getting sober, yeah, sex was definitely a hot mess for sure. It's bad choices, unsafe practices, you know, 
sleeping with people that I really shouldn't have slept with. And then, you know, being a person also on the other end, being someone that that person shouldn't have slept with, I think is also a big part of it. Like I myself was not a good sexual partner in the kind of throes of addiction. So. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, speaking of waking up next to someone who you wouldn't normally wake up with, I mean, and safety, you know, did you ever find yourself in dangerous or unhealthy sex situations when drinking? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, especially when I was drinking, it was, there was unsafe situations, but more so of like compromising my, you know, sexual safety and, you know, STDs and all that stuff can be pretty rampant and you make kind of bad choices when it comes to being drunk and having sex with people. But also I think just stuff like, you know, parking in the wrong spot and having your car get towed, like that's not a great situation to be in. And the really unsafe sexual experiences for me didn't really start until I started using drugs and using my drug of choice for a long time was crystal meth. So that drug is, is for me at least inherently linked with sex. It's like, I would take the first hit off that pipe and it was sex for the next 12 hours, wherever I could get it, you know, having sex with big groups of people. And also one of the things that I found myself doing was, was when I was using that particular drug was sleeping with a lot of drug dealers because they had the stuff, they had the guys, they had the room, they had the space, they had, you know, everything I needed. And and that is an extremely unsafe situation to be in is to be with someone who is, seriously breaking the law with with drugs and so that was for sure probably some of the most unsafe times of my life was ending up in really rough neighborhoods really late at night with some of the shadiest people you could probably think about doing one of the most insidious drugs that there is out there Mm -hmm. so yes very unsafe. <laughs> yes. I, I, I feel like in some ways, like at the time I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but I think because my first experience with crystal meth was in my freshman year of college and I thought I was smoking marijuana and the person who was giving it to me, like, let me, led me to believe that. And like, next thing I knew I was not feeling myself. And like, I called a friend who like rescued me from the party before I was like the fresh meat in the group. And I think that like, I'm glad that it was such a negative experience because if it was a positive one, I probably would have gone back for more, but you know, alcohol, even like similarly, I, you know, months later, I remember blacking out at a party and just waking up. And that was the first time where like, I woke up next to someone who I never would have slept with. And like, yeah, didn't remember consenting to anything. And, you know, later on you hear like, Oh, that's the thing that they do is they just like pick on the guy who was like passed out and take him. And it's just not a good feeling, you know, afterwards I would repeat that encounter, you know, across my sex life, you know, at the, to the point where it almost felt normal. But that first time where I woke up, I just remember just the, the amount of shame and just, you know, not remembering whether they were a condom or not, or if I were a condom or not, or like what happened, it's just not the best feeling to wake up to. No. Yeah. Especially like when I, I mean, when I first did started doing crystal, I, the first hit, was one of the biggest rushes of my life. And I knew as soon as I started doing it, I was like, this is going to be a problem. This yeah. is going to be a big problem. And actually my first hit of crystal meth was after a night of drinking. I went out with these two guys and I was, that were super hot. And we, they got me nice and drunk and we went back to their, their apartment and the pipe came out. I had no idea what it was. And then I hit 
that thing and I spiked in, like right into clarity and it was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. And I, so my first experience was great. And therefore it just led me down this path of like kind of seeking it out from, from then on. And yeah, it's, it's, it was one of those things where I don't often have like, I have a strong memory of my first time drinking, but I don't remember it. Like I did my first hit of crystal and being like, this is going to be a problem. This is bad. Yeah. But it felt so good. Like, but so, but also so good. It felt so good. And that's just scary to think about because it was, you don't usually kind of necessarily feel that inevitable doom kind of creeping up your back. The first time you do something like tough stuff. Yeah. And on the lighter side of the darker side of things, I mean, do you just have any plain, just funny or embarrassing sex stories from your drinking or using days? I remember like, I, I had this, I had this guy, I had a huge crush on that lived in New York and he was like a CrossFit trainer and we had been friends for years. And he finally came up to visit to me and visit me in Boston and we went out and we like totally got wasted together at the club and then went back to his place. And I like, we're finally going to have sex after years of talking to each other and like, whatever we finally did. And I remember him, like when we were done, like I just started like crying, like bawling my eyes out, like a drunk wasted, like wasted, like, like, I don't remember why I was crying. And it was, but I just like, here's this really hot, really nice guy that I've been talking to for years. And all of a sudden here I am in his hotel room, like crying like a baby. Crying is not wrong. Crying is not bad. It doesn't demasculate, you know, know, whatever. But like, it was still embarrassing to be like bawling my eyes at this poor guy's hotel room. That was a pretty embarrassing sexual experience on drink while drinking. Yeah. I know that like for for me, typically it was just that like whiskey dick is a real thing. That is, oh, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is for sure. And of course there's like the passing out while you're in the middle of sex, I've passed out in the middle of it or needed to get up and throw up or, you know, just being absolutely foolish. I remember one time I was like hooking up with this guy and I was wasted and I like, was like, we should like change positions or whatever. And we both fucking fell off the bed and like hit the floor so hard because we were just both wasted and didn't know where we were and like oh man not good yeah well on the the brighter side of things now for real like how how would you say your sex life has changed or evolved since getting sober it has been incredible once i got sober i i i made sure that i was sleeping with people that i truly trusted and truly cared for one of the things about coming out of this was I needed to make sure I was surrounded by good people and that meant every minute of my life. And so when I first got sober, I, I had a, a, a couple of guys I would, would sleep with that were just like, almost like best friends. Mm-hmm. We would have amazing sex together and then just sit and talk for an hour or more and then go back at it again. And I would just kind of have these incredibly meaningful encounters with these incredible, meaningful people and it kind of just like brought me back to earth that everything was going to be possible and everything was going to be okay. I mean, my first year of sobriety was like really, truly one of the most enlightening experiences that I've had in my whole life because I just happened to have the right people involved in my life and right people there for me, both socially and, and, and sexually. It was really, really 
fantastic to be making great decisions with them with good people who are actually cared about me. So really great, actually. Yeah. And that's awesome. I know that it's even changed for like my husband and I like, cause beforehand I wouldn't always like drink during the day before we had sex, but like it definitely, like I also smoked a lot of pot. And so mm-hmm. I would be like hitting that marijuana pen, like, like it was a, you know, a popsicle or a piece of candy, like before we would get high and we'd ha- I like, we'd have sex and I was just like stoned out of my mind. And so it was like almost like nervous that the very first time after I got sober and we had sex together again, like I was like, can I do it sober? And yeah, it was probably one of the most like intimate experiences that we've ever had. Cause it was also like rebuilding a lot of like trust that had been lost over my drinking and using. Exactly. And for me, it was coming off of crystal, especially cause crystal makes you an absolute sexual maniac. Like you have sex for hours and hours and hours with as many people as you can. It's just how your brain or how my brain works on that drug. And I was, that was one of the things that I, I, I enjoyed was that I could be wild and I could be this kind of like unbridled, like sexual being and not, and the idea of not being able to do that, you know, with, without drugs was, was a little bit of a concern of mine. I was like, I liked that part of myself that it, that it brought out. And I liked being very, very sexual and being this kind of this person. But once I started to really build that trust with the people I was sleeping with and trust myself that I realized I could let that side out of me without drugs. It's about like building yourself up and building the, those good relationships with those people that are kind of training you into it. And it really has been, I'm, and I tell everyone that I, you know, that I sleep with who knows about my, my, my drinking and my drinking passes. I always tell them like, I'm way more fun mm-hmm. sober than I ever was fucked up. Like, trust me. Yeah. So that's, that has been, it's been pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. And have you had any struggles with potential partners, not like getting or understanding your sobriety? I, I recently went on a date with someone who, so kind of like, this is more dating than so than sexually, but I went on a date with someone who wanted me to make sure that I didn't really talk much about my sobriety with his friends because he thought that it was, his friends were going to be judgmental towards me about my sobriety. And that was like one of the biggest red flags I think I've ever encountered in my sobriety was someone who was like, you might want to just kind of keep it, you know, to yourself at first and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. I don't know who you think you're talking to, but like, nope, like this is a huge part of my life. This is a huge part of my, I'm, I'm, I fought for my life to be here right now. I'm not going to hide what saved me, which is my sobriety. Absolutely not. Sexually. I think people are sometimes a little bit timid around me because they may have been using drugs or drinking when they had sex. And so the idea, like, especially if I meet someone out, at a club and I want to take them home with me, they can be a little bit like, Oh, I've been drinking. Is that okay? And, and I think I'm always like, I always tell anyone I'm sleeping with or anything like that. Like you can do kind of, as long as we're, we're safe. And as long as you're, you're, you know, you're okay. You can do what you want. Just don't be sneaky about it. Don't hide it from me. You drinking or you, you know, being intoxicated is not going to jeopardize my sobriety. Yeah. So like that, that hasn't been anyone like not understanding, but people just kind of not understanding how to interact with me has been a little bit, maybe sometimes of an issue. Cause I'm like, I'm not like, I'm not like, like, I'm not like this fragile snowflake. That's going to like, your breath smells like alcohol. Like, Oh my God, I need to go use like, no, like you're, I'm good. 
Yeah. You guys are good. Like you, you, you know, we're going to be okay. I think that's the closest thing I've come to someone kind of like not understanding. It's just kind of their interactions with me, but yeah. And I know last episode, we kind of manifested your perfect ideal boyfriend for dating, but <laughs> what, what kind how would you describe or what kind of qualities do you find attractive in a potential sex partner? So, I mean, you give me a tattoo sleeve and a gym membership and I'm on board. Like yeah. I'm, I like, a, I like, I like a muscled up like tattooed guy. Like I said before, I kind of like the, the bad, like the badass looking guys. Mm-hmm. I like you to kind of look like a kick, kick my ass, but I also like someone who's passionate and caring and checks in. I do a lot of, I do a lot of that when I have sex with someone, I check in a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I literally straight up ask, you know, what do you like? What feels good? I like someone who does that too, who's really invested in investigating the other person's body and what the other person can do. Cause I want to see what you can do. Like I like, I like to really delve in and see a person's, you know, speed and how, how they can, how their body works. It's really, really, it's one of the best things about sex is like figuring out, figuring out like your partner's strengths and, matching your strengths to theirs. I mean, like, I guess I'm, I'm, I call myself a power verse. I like mm-hmm. both, you know, big nasty tops, just willing to pound you into the bed. And I also like to top a guy, you know, the same way too. So <laughs> some people who are, some of my friends who are bottoms. They're like, Oh, I didn't realize you were, you know, you kind of, people tend to think of me more as a bottom. Some of my bottom friends are just like, Oh, I didn't realize I'm like, be careful. Cause I'll, fucking smash you (laughs) a little bit i like like a little bit i like it rough i like it crazy like it's fun like but it's also good to have that crazy nasty fun but then kind of you know zone in on someone and have a really like soft passionate moment too it's it's i like a good ebb and flow so i think that answers your question it does and like i I understand like one thing that was like i was my friends always kind of knew me as like the bottom boy and i realized that a lot of that was because i was like too drunk to be able to to top and so i was like i've learned in my sobriety i'm like oh i like both like i like topping a whole lot more sober than i ever thought that i did before getting sober and so it's just amazing yeah. kind of the things that you we don't even like learn about ourselves until we get sober in terms of sex yeah and i like i i hate to bop, put myself in a box like and it, it, if you're, if I see someone I'm attracted to and I, 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 we, I have a good, and chemistry is huge with me. Like I, I, chemistry is the biggest part of sex for me is that connection and that. And so if we get home and then all of a sudden you say, oh no, I'm, you know, if I bring this, you know, beefy muscle bear home and he's like, oh, I'm a bottom. I'm like, cool, let's do it. Like, I, I don't want to miss out on options. Like, yeah. I really like that to be able to kind of really again explore each other and keeping it versus i think really really been really really fun it's really fun i agree and speaking of really fun what would you say has been one of your best sexual experiences since getting sober i had a really good sexual experience actually over during labor day i went to provincetown in massachusetts for labor day weekend by myself and just wanted to get away before my fall season started. And I was on, I just was looking through Instagram and this guy like hit me up and was like, someone told me you were the one to talk to about being sober in P-Town. And I was like, first of all, love that. Love that. So him and I met up and he was having a lot of trouble having sex sober. And I just 
kind of was talking to him about, you know, kind of loving yourself and, and trying to really be comfortable with you and, and only doing what you're comfortable with. And uh, him and I got invited to this, this jockstrap party. And he was a little bit nervous. And I was like, listen, like only do what you want to do. And, you know, if, if you want to go, like we can go like, just play it by ear. Let's see what happens. So the jockstrap party started out pretty tame. People just like, you know, people were drinking there, but so we were just kind of having our, our seltzer waters. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back out and it was an orgy in a second. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how long was I in that bathroom? Because holy potatoes, everyone is going at it. So of course I looked at my friend. I'm like, oh, he's like, this is one of the things like, can he have sex sober? Can he do it? And I just looked around and there he was in the middle of everything, just and completely enjoying himself. So I kind of just like, okay, cool. So this is my key to like, I can do my thing too. So we, this sex party was so good and so fun. And everyone, the energy was so great. And after the party, we like stepped out of the apartment, the door closed behind us and he goes, I could never in a million years have thought that would happen. And I want to thank you so much for like bringing me into that world and bringing me into a place where sober, great sex. And, and I wouldn't have done it without you. And that was one of those moments where like, I'm, I was in P-Town on Labor Day weekend for a reason. And that was to show this guy an incredibly fun time and to move him one step closer to feeling super comfortable with his, his sober self. So it was like this big, like it was a grandiose sexual experience, but it was like one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my sobriety. That's the most beautiful sex party story I've ever heard. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and especially after you've had that experience with him, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's sober and struggling with their sexual confidence? You know, a, a giant jockstrap sex party may not be for everyone. So I think just, again, finding someone you are completely comfortable with and taking it at your own pace. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, I think that some of the first sexual experiences you have sober need to be fantastic ones so you can have a foundation of 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 joy and and acceptance and a, and 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 a wonderful feeling to start building off of don't dive into it head first um hoping it's going to be great and getting disappointed i i think you should find someone that you really connect with and you really care about and really cares about you and wants to explore this sexual side of you as a sober man because like I said before at the beginning, like a lot of my friends have a lot of trouble with sex post sobriety. It's so linked with so much shame and so much darkness. And even for me, like some of the darkest, nastiest, most upsetting times of my whole life revolve directly around sex and drugs. Mm -hmm. And to be able to come out of that is, is really challenging. So you have to build a good foundation. You have to be, you have to start out as, as best as you can with your kind of best foot forward, I guess you could say, but you got to be with someone who's going to literally be like, we'll stop immediately if you're not feeling right. And then we'll be able to kind of work with you almost like a, the more you trust the person, the more you'll trust yourself, the more you trust yourself, the more confident you'll get. I think that's the best advice is just like, take your time and do your thing with someone you really care about. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, any last words on sex and sobriety? Just, just 
have fun and be safe and keep talking. I love when people talk during sex as far as like communication, 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 I think is one of the biggest things you can do when you're with your sexual partner is communicate. Don't be afraid to try new things and, you know, just be good to each other. Cause that's, it's the most intimate, you know, sex is, is one of the most intimate things you can do. Like you gotta be good to the person you're doing it with. Otherwise it's going to damage both of you. Yeah. And I would agree, especially with the communication part. I know that before getting sober, my husband, and I didn't really talk during sex and now we do. And it's just certainly been a game changer in terms of that. So sex and communication is going to be a great episode title because if not, it would have been just sex with Dave. <laughs> Sex with Dave, which, hey, you know, there would have been a good amount of people that would have been able to chime in in this conversation too. But yeah, I always, I always say to people, like when I was literally in the middle of sex, I always say sometimes just, hey, I'm just checking in. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's one thing that even some of my sexual partners out at the clubs will walk up to me and say, hey, like, hey, I'm just checking in. It's something that really resonates with people that I say. And that it's just, we could be in the, in the absolute heat of it and going nuts and just, hey, just checking in. And then, it kind of brings you right together. And I think that's one of those things. And, you know, it, it really helps just check in. Yeah. Excellent. Well, tell the listeners where they can find you as well as your, your great social group. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Jim Dave 85, G Y M D A V E 85. And then you can also search Sober Gay Sunday, which is my Sober Gay Sunday social group here in Boston. We do things like axe throwing and museums and beach trips and all that stuff. And that's, I talked a little bit more about it in the other other episode, but it's one of my proudest, proudest accomplishments as a sober man is getting these wonderful, sober, gay Bostonian guys together for events and and seeing the, the connections they make and so that's one of my, one of my, my most, my proudest things. So Silver Gay Sunday and Jim Dave 85 on Instagram. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah. And thank you listeners for tuning into another episode of Gay A. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. You can rate and review. If you do that, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find this podcast that need to hear it. If you're interested in sharing your story, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, you can find me on Instagram at gayapodcast or email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. Until next time, stay sober, friends.